0: Hello and welcome to Let's Talk, a new series of candid conversations covering the issues facing freelance professionals today. I'm Tom Rizzo, your host, Managing Director and Founder of Plectrum Advisors, an investment advisory firm based in Los Angeles. On each episode of Let's Talk, I'll be speaking with some of the most plugged-in experts to help you and me make sense of today's changing environment and to help you be smarter about how to approach work and life so let's get started today's guest on let's talk is amy northard founder and partner at accountants for creatives a cpa firm unlike any other i've known amy and her amazing team help freelancers and creative business owners all over the U.S. navigate taxes and set up bookkeeping systems so that they can get back to doing what they love. In addition to being super competent and knowledgeable about all things relating to your taxes, Amy is also very personable and engaging, which makes the experience of interacting with her and her fantastic firm an unusually pleasant and helpful experience. As she likes to say, Working with her firm is like talking to one of your good friends who also happens to be really good at accounting. She's a certified public accountant with nearly a decade of experience in public accounting and she earned her undergrad degree from Indiana University at the Kelley School of Business. Hi and welcome to Let's Talk. Today I'm super excited to speak with our guest Amy Northart. You know we're always looking for people who do things differently and better, and Amy's certainly someone who fits that description. Amy's built an accounting firm that focuses on creative people, from freelance professionals, like many of you, to those who started or built businesses based on a unique idea or insight. Amy and I both serve clients who are primarily freelancers. Amy calls them creatives. And we both hope to help clients navigate all the issues around finance and life. Amy and her firm have a unique perspective and approach to the accounting side of keeping your financial ducks in a row. In addition to being super competent and knowledgeable about all things relating to your taxes, Amy is also very personable and engaging, which makes the experience of interacting with her and her fantastic firm an unusually pleasant and helpful experience. I'd like to read a little something from uh, her website to give you a little bit of a flavor. Uh, And this is Amy speaking. She says, I'm not your typical accountant. I spent some time working at a traditional CPA firm and realized it was not for me. I wanted to work with clients and teammates who inspired me on a daily basis and made me feel excited for Mondays. Now I get to teach creative business owners all about the tax and accounting side of the business so they don't feel like it's some big, unknown, stressful thing hanging over them all the time. I also love taking taxes and bookkeeping off of your plate so you can focus on the fun parts of owning a business. Amy's a certified public accountant with nearly a decade of experience in public accounting, and she earned her undergrad degree from Indiana University at the Kelley School of Business. So Amy, welcome. Thank you for being here today. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Uh, you know, I uh, in dealing with uh, my clients and in trying to improve their financial health and their planning and uh, helping them uh, make their financial security a priority in their lives, uh, frequently we are also speaking with their CPA or accountant uh, in terms of coordinating such things as uh, pension contributions to a SEP IRA if they have a um, if they have an S corp or a corp, or how do we carve out the best possible plan to fund their IRAs, and which kind of IRA should we have, and how does that affect our tax situation? And then there's always the question when they get to the end of the year of oh my goodness, you know, have I paid enough in, and how do I calculate that, and all the all the freakouts that go with um, dealing with issues that are really not top of mind to most creative people, but they realize that it's important that they pay attention to these things. So uh, uh, we, we'd like to talk to you today about all of those things and see how you handle them and how you recommend uh, our clients um, uh, deal with them in a way that, that serves them the best. So so first of all, let's, let's talk about your firm a little bit. Um, yeah. You have a, a rather unique... Um, a demographic of people that you serve. Can you speak a little bit about how you came to focus on creative and freelance people?
1: Yeah, um, so I've always been creative. I have, you know, I started a food blog in college as like my creative outlet while I was taking accounting classes, and I knit and, you know, always just loved creative activities. Um, so that's always kind of been in the background and my way for, um, a creative outlet while I'm doing some more of the like numbers based, uh, work either through school or now through my day-to-day work. Um, so that's kind of where my love for creatives happened. Um, I was working at the CPA firm that you mentioned in the intro and, um, not a lot of creative people, not a lot of inspiring clients. And so it just kind of took away, there wasn't much excitement um, when it came to doing the work. So I was looking for a way out. How can I be happy with what I'm doing? Not totally trash my CPA license that I just worked really hard for um, and still do accounting work that I enjoyed. And so that's where I came up with the idea of specializing in people that I could like follow on social media and interact with and really be inspired by the creative work that they were doing um, and make me excited to help them grow their business and um, be more confident in the numbers side of running that.
0: Fascinating. Well, it's um, – these are um, – your clients are – uh, similar to the clients that I have uh, in, uh, in my firm and the people that we help. Um, they are primarily freelancers and specifically they're, they're musicians, studio musicians or performing musicians. Uh, and uh, they have a unique set of uh, needs in terms of uh, handling finance and money and, and knowing how to understand that. Um, how, do you, how do you see... Um, uh, what are some of the unique um, uh, questions that need to be answered or needs of this uh, particular
1: demographic? Um, I would say there's probably two main needs um, or questions. So one is, what can I deduct? Because a lot of things are different for artists and performers versus running maybe a brick and mortar shop. Um, So maybe if you're having to go get hair and makeup done, Um, you know, can I deduct that? That's a common question Um, if it's for a performance. So um, things like what can be deducted, but then also explaining more difficult topics to creatives so that it's not, your brain doesn't shut off (laughs) because I've been there. I've sat in the accounting classes, your brain kind of shuts off and you really have to, force yourself to pay attention and synthesize the information. So um, that's one thing I enjoy is taking these topics, making them a lot easier to understand and apply. And so that you get done with whatever, you know, if you're reading a blog post or we're having a consulting call, you get done with it and you're like, Oh, I made that way worse in my head than it was actually ended up being. Um, And they can, you know, apply that to
0: their business and move on. Yeah. How do you, um, how do you help or, or what advice do you have for people who um, may have income coming from many different places? Some of it W-2 income, some of it um, independent contractor, which we call 1099 income. Uh, And one of the challenges this group has is trying to ascertain whether they've paid had enough withholding going on during the year and then if they haven't how you calculate uh, how much they should be contributing to their estimated taxes so that they're in good shape by the end of the year how do you help people with that um, in that situation
1: um, well one common thing I see is that those w2 earnings they feel like they're through your freelance business because it could be very similar to what you're doing when you freelance and they um, clients will have that deposited to their business bank account. So the first thing I would say is make sure that any W-2 income that's going to have taxes already taken out, make sure that goes to your personal checking account, and then set up a second checking account just for all the freelance income and expenses. That way you know money coming in here should have the appropriate taxes, so money coming into your personal account should appropriate taxes taken out, and then the money coming into the business account has no taxes taken out. Um, So you can, if you're not doing bookkeeping on a regular basis, you can kind of get an idea of um, the profit going into that business bank account and you can start to set aside money. Um, There's two different kind of philosophies or just suggestions on setting aside money. You could do it like if you get $1,000, set aside 10 or 15%. If you, so that was kind of setting it aside from the top amount of money that you receive and then the other idea would be to set aside money after you have deducted your expenses um it you have to do your bookkeeping to be able to do the second option um so you know i would do one way or the other, put that money into a savings account um, so that it's ready for you when you are ready to save or uh, send in your tax payments. Um, but setting aside something and having kind of a strategy behind it is really helpful.
0: So do you, it, I mean, I, I, I like this idea of separate accounts uh, so that um, it's just easier to, easier to see what the amount is that you're going to base the percentage that you're going to have to pay in tax
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and these days, you know, uh, very few people are getting paper statements anymore. Everything is usually online. So it's it's pretty easy to take a look um, at the end of a month or at the end of a quarter and say, where do we stand and then make that make that calculation.
1: Yeah. For sure, and then you don't risk double uh, reporting your income if you if you're sending your money to or your numbers to an accountant, and you do have it all going to the same place. You have to remember to, you know, remove the W two deposits. So mm-hmm. it's just less that you have to keep track of. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think one of the, one of the things I hear from uh, from my clients, and this is something that you and I spoke about in our. Uh, in our preparation call the other day is um, people have a lot of questions about when they should take certain actions. When is the right time to incorporate? When should I be paying most of my taxes? When should I make my decision to make my either pension contribution or IRA contribution, etc. Uh, can you speak a little bit to that about uh, how you can uh, figure out when is the appropriate time to make these changes?
1: Um, so, you you know, if you're looking at just making like incorporating, um, if you just become like an LLC, it's good to know that that doesn't change anything tax-wise. Um, in California specifically, it will just mean an extra $800 a year that you get to pay to the state for the LLC fee. Um, but if you're making enough money, then an S corporation, which is kind of the second layer to that, if you're an LLC, um... or or a regular corporation, you can become an S corporation, and that does have some tax savings. So we won't go too deep into what S corporations are, but um, basically what you need to know is if you are making, I usually say if you're making at least $50,000 in profit, so that's after you've taken your expenses out, if you still have $50,000 left over, then it's a good time to start thinking about or reaching out to an accountant about becoming an S corporation. Um, And there are significant tax savings when you do that, but you have to be making enough money for that percentage to be applied to. Um, As far as the other timeline items, I mean uh, setting aside money on a regular basis is helpful. So if you want to do like every month you look at your statement and you say, okay, I got this many deposits, so I'm gonna move this amount over to my savings account. Um, it's kind of like a muscle, like the more you work it, the easier it gets um, to do that because it's always gonna be painful to, to take money out of your um, you know big pot of money and send it off to someone. But if you can get in the habit of moving money into that savings account, at least it's kind of separated and you've already mentally, taken out of this, taken out of your spendable money, um, and you have it ready to go. So as far as a timeline on that, you know, I would say at least quarterly is a good plan. But if you can get in the habit of moving money into savings monthly, that's great as well. And then the other items, I would say, you know, if you aren't sure and it's more detailed, um, question, finding an accountant to help you or a financial advisor to kind of guide you on that and maybe give you a checklist, you know, um, of timelines that you can put on your calendar or just be aware of is really helpful because everyone's a little bit different. Um, the state rules are all a little bit different. Um, so having someone on your side to give you that advice is nice.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh... You know, we like, I, I, I like recommending to clients that we do things on a monthly basis primarily because they're usually paying bills on a monthly basis. So usually there's a day, you know, whether it's the first or in the in the week of the, of the first of the month that they're handling all of their bills. It's a car payment, mortgage or rent, um, the uh, your insurance payments, utility payments, um, health insurance payments, that kind of thing, so that they've got a Um, A a list of things that they're prepared that they know these are things that I'm going to have to pay. And Mm -hmm. if we include this tax payment on a monthly basis, it stops being a, a looming Liability and it's just part of, well, you know, I got to make my car payment, I got to make my rent, and I got to make the tax payment too. And it stops being something that's outside of the ordinary cost uh, mm-hmm. of living. You know, that kind oh, of I love that. So so we, we like I, I I usually recommend that this in, in monthly and we even go so far as to when we're putting budgets together for people is we t- put their tax liability as a monthly expense. So mm-hmm. if you're paying, you know, ten thousand or twelve thousand dollars a year in taxes, we say that, you know what, that's a thousand dollars a month in your monthly budget to come out of there, rather than saying at the end of the year, oh my gosh, I gotta write a check for ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars or something like
1: that. Yeah. So.
0: So um, can you, I, I don't want to get too specific here, um, I, um, but I would like to talk a little bit about the creation of a, uh, a pension uh, for individuals that's available when they form either an S corp or a C corp. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's usually in the form of a, of a SEP IRA. Um, and there are so many advantages to creating the SEP, not the least of which is there are really no reporting requirements as there are with the 401ks and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, can you can you talk just in somewhat general terms about how the structure of a uh, of a SEP would work for someone who's trying to make the decision to trans uh, to make the transition from being a, um, a Schedule C person who's just taking income and reporting a Schedule C to maybe creating the S corp and what the advantage of the SEP might be and, and how that would work in, in terms of how much they could contribute in that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. So um, when you have, so with an S-Corp, you get a W-2. You, part of your wages, part of your money is paid out to you as a W-2 on a salary. The other part you can take as transfers. Um, so what's important to know is you can take, you can make a contribution to your sep of 25% of your w2 wages and it gets kind of it gets kind of weird because you want to keep your w2 wages to a minimum but also higher they are the more you can contribute so it's that's a good thing to kind of work with and play with um with your accountant your financial advisor it's kind of a little puzzle to figure out how much cash do you have available for this what's the tax savings and all how all those pieces fit together but i really like this step because you have until you file your return to make the contribution so you can wait till the very end of the year get your taxes almost complete and then you can weigh out those options of how much you want to uh, contribute and um, then if you need more time you can extend your return and you have um, till the extended due date so you'll still want to be setting aside money or um, you know, planning for the current year. So you kind of have to juggle both of setting aside money if you don't have the funds yet um, to make that contribution, but then also thinking about the current year you're in and um, planning for that as well.
0: Great. Uh, You know, we're, we are, um, we're in mid November right now and it's, uh, you know, it's getting towards the end of calendar year. Uh, Are there, Uh, some steps that you might recommend that people take, either in calculations or or actual things that they ought to be doing at this time of year to help them prepare to maximize the the benefit of uh, taxation or pension contribution? So
1: the biggest thing I would say, if you you know, if you have time now or just make time before the end of the year is to sit down and figure out what your numbers are. Um, That's the biggest thing I see with creatives is it's just this stressful thing and it's very easy to put off until the last minute and it's you have to get your taxes filed and then you sit down and you deal with it. Um, But I think it would lessen a lot of anxiety and stress if you like the more you face it head on so if you don't haven't done your numbers for the year sitting down and maybe just doing a simple spreadsheet of here's how much money has come in here's where it all went out and here's what I'm left with um and that money that you're left with you know setting aside 30 35 percent um some cases maybe 40 percent, setting aside money for the taxes, but you won't know how much to set aside um, unless you're actually looking at your numbers regularly. So that's the thing I, I always recommend people at this point. Um, sit down, get a handle on what your numbers actually are. Treat it like a business. Um, the, you know, a lot of freelancers don't feel like it's a business, but if you are a business um, if you're getting 1099 income, so treat it that way. Um, and then consider You know, a lot of people come to me at the end of the year and they say, how much money should I spend? (laughs) And I don't think that's the right question. Um, I come back to them with a question and I say, what do you need? You know, is your laptop hanging on the last straw and there's a good Black Friday deal? Go for it. Go ahead and spend some of your money and get you a laptop that will speed up your process. Or is there a new lens or a new piece of... um, you know uh, equipment or instrument that you need go ahead and buy it and you can buy it before the end of the year and it will reduce your taxes but don't just go out there and spend your money to reduce your taxes because you're scared of them um that that is one of the biggest things i see at the end of the year um and people trying to figure out
0: yeah no. um it's a, it's a very difficult question for myself and people that um, I help primarily because the income is not consistent.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's not, you know, if you had a corporate job, you would be getting a paycheck every week or every two weeks. And, and I, we do have clients that are in this, this vicinity and those People in those situations don't have to deal with uh, a level of stress that people who have an uncertain um, uh, income uh, consistency. And uh, one of the issues that um, uh, plagues most of the musicians here that we work with is that they get a, a royalty check on an annual basis that can be a significant sum and it shows up once a year and how do you think about a a significant lump sum payment and what should you do about it Um, that's a lot more challenging than getting your annual income chopped up into 52 little pieces that come to you and there's withholding and there's a pension contribution and that kind of thing. So um, uh, all all the more reason, I'm just, I'm just speaking a little bit to your point of when you get to this time of year, figure out what these numbers are Um, because for many of us, we really don't know. You no, know, really don't know, but well, how have we done? You know, it seems to be okay. There's some money in the checking account. I guess we made money this year, but uh, it sure would be nice to quantify that to say the number is this, even if it's coarse, you know, even if it's off by 10%, at okay. least is roughly this, you know. Was it 50,000? Was it 500,000? Let's get a, a sense of where we are. Yeah. So many of us are even fearful of knowing that number For on both sides of it, of if it's low, of saying, oh, my gosh, I didn't do as well as I thought it was. Or if it's bigger than what you thought, you say, oh, my God, what's the, what's the task implication going to be here? And then you bury your head back in the sand and say, I just don't want to know because it's going to stay. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's common, you know, it's, it's just human nature, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, I like your recommendation of reaching out at this time of year to your CPA and say, if you have the impulse to try to get your numbers together, but, but don't even know what that means, what what numbers? What are you talking about? Reach out to your um, to your CPA and say, can you guide me a little bit? You know, what what do I need? And I, I hope I'm not speaking for you, but I would think you are happy to do that rather than at the last minute to try to unravel these things on March 1st uh, to at least let's, let's get it together now so we can make some informed decisions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, No accountant will be mad if you are trying to do better and make their job easier at tax time. So, um, and a lot of them will have resources. We're just getting ready to send out a, a training, a free training to our clients um, to help them be able to do their bookkeeping better because we know it's, it, it's a lot to learn and they're you're not bookkeepers as your main job. <laughs> so you've, a lot of you have not gone through any training or had any experience in it. And um, yeah, we're, we're always happy to help.
0: What's the difference between bookkeeping and accounting?
1: question. Um, So bookkeeping, I would say, is just kind of historical tracking of your numbers. So what has happened in the past and let's quantify it, let's add it up, um, put all the expenses in a category. We use a bookkeeping software. Usually for us it's QuickBooks, but there's a bunch out there um, and that helps us to create reports. Um, So that's kind of the basis of bookkeeping. And then accounting, Um, you know, what what we use more of our CPA skills for, um, relates into like tax planning um, and giving advice, you know, um, coming, looking at the numbers more analytically. So bookkeeping is just kind of record keeping, accountants and accounting kind of takes those records and puts a story to them and helps you kind of plan for the future.
0: And can a firm like yours do both for a client? Can they do both the bookkeeping and the accounting?
1: Yeah, there's definitely firms that just do one or the other. Um, we do have a team of bookkeepers who do the bookkeeping for our clients. Um, and then a CPA reviews that so that, um, you know we're getting a couple sets of eyes on the numbers before they go out to clients. Um, and then we can also put a little bit more of a story or apply our accounting skills to the bookkeeping. Um, to share things like profit margin and that kind of thing with our clients when we send those reports out.
0: And so if a client wanted you to take care of both, both the bookkeeping and the accounting, Mm -hmm. what, how would you um, uh, interact with the client on the bookkeeping end of of things? What, what would you need from, from them uh, in order to do their bookkeeping?
1: And so assuming maybe they've never done bookkeeping ever, we would set up a QuickBooks account for them. Um, all they would really have to do is link their business, their business bank accounts. And so like if you've ever used mint.com or anything like that, you just kind of sign in through a QuickBooks and it pulls the transactions in. Um, And then we get uh, read-only access set up for their bank account so that we can pull the bank statements every month and just double check that the balances that show in the bookkeeping software match to what is showing on the statement. Um, And then of course we do the categories. So um, a lot of times we can figure out categories just based on our knowledge of the industry or doing a little Googling. Um, And then if not, we send a few questions over to our clients, but that's really just connecting the accounts. And then answering a few questions each month is really all that our clients have to do on the bookkeeping side once they engage us for that.
0: So current technology really makes this relatively painless for the client is just give access and you're able to pull the information. The client doesn't have to send you information or send you their statements or that kind of thing. This can, this can be set up in an automated way that makes it pretty painless for the, for the client. And then you can, as the accountant or bookkeeper, you can be assured that you're getting accurate information to be able to then advise the client.
1: Yeah. And we don't
0: have to wait and <laughs> it's good all around. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that there are, uh, this is kind of an un, unknown um, quantity in, in, in terms of uh, clients saying, well, if I hire somebody to do bookkeeping, what, how, how am I going to do that? You know, what am I, what am I going to have to send? Am I going to have to gather? I don't even know where these statements are or, mm-hmm. but it's nice that the current state of technology kind of bypasses all of that. Um, which is the way it used to be, i think twenty five years ago I mean you, didn't, yeah. <laughs> you used to have to send send things in and, and um, so it 's um, it 's a relatively painless um, transaction mm-hmm. and it 's something that can really serve the client if if a professional is doing the bookkeeping now you can get a really good Uh, advice uh, once the year is over when you're when you're speaking with the CPA now they they have all of these numbers that you've asked uh, people to to gather and now you can have a really uh, productive conversation about what to do.
1: Yeah and uh, you know if you are working with a CPA firm that's doing your bookkeeping they can keep an eye on your numbers and you know if you are a good candidate for an S-corp election or something like that they're seeing your numbers throughout the year so they can be proactive and suggest things to you Ah. earlier rather than getting just to your tax return filing. And some things are too late after the year's over.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to look at, look at my list of questions that I wanted to ask you here. Um, Do do you have any like uh, outside of the things that we've already spoken about advice for, um, for our audience who are on my network are primarily uh, freelance studio musicians. Do you have any, any words of wisdom to help them um, uh, maximize their financial situation?
1: You know, we kind of already talked about like putting your head in the sand and that, how that does not serve you well. So I think, you know, finding someone that can, if you don't feel comfortable doing it, yourself, you can walk alongside and learn about, you know, the simplicity of just setting up a separate bank account for your business transactions and doing, you know, some simple tips for doing your bookkeeping. So if if money stuff from your business stresses you out, make that a goal for this upcoming year to learn more about it because the more you learn about it, the less stressful it will be. Um, that's kind of been our whole approach the whole time I've ran this business is the more I can educate, then the, the more people can understand how this stuff all works instead of it always just being this big, scary thing that they're afraid of. You know, everyone comes to me and they're like, I'm worried the IRS is going to come arrest me. <laughs> that is a common worry. Uh, cause I hear it a lot and it's doesn't happen, you know? ever, rarely. Um, and so the more you can get educated on this stuff, the less you can be scared of it and focus on the part you love, you know, um, focus on your craft and getting better or expanding that part. Um, so that, that would be my piece of advice. I mean, the deductions and the specifics, that stuff is out there. Um, what you can deduct, um, don't be afraid of deductions I hear from a lot of people oh I don't want to get audited um, but if you are truly due a deduction and it is a legitimate business expense and not a personal expense that you're trying to run through the business you're entitled to those deductions um, so don't be afraid that something is going to you know make a red flag for most cases um, your your income is going to be low enough on the irs radar that they're not going to like send someone out there to interrogate you about your expenses they may ask for copies of receipts um, but it's not as scary as i think a lot of people think
0: is it uh, you mentioned receipts is it is it true that it is no longer necessary to keep paper copies of the receipts if you paid something with a credit card is the credit card statement um a uh, valid enough receipt
1: um so i think the threshold is like under 75 dollars. so if you if your expense was under 75 you don't have to have a receipt or documentation it is a good idea that for bookkeeping purposes to kind of have all that stuff flow through your um, business checking or credit card um but then To your point, you don't have to have paper receipts, but it is a good idea to keep electronic receipts. So if you're out at a meal for business. Like if put the Dropbox app on your phone, snap a picture of it and save it to a folder with the date. You don't have to get super specific and have little category folders for every single category. Just have it in a place where if the irs asks you for more documentation or copies of your receipts then you can spend the time to go back and you know print all those out and send them in but um, i think a lot of people think they have to have paper copies of everything and that's not the case anymore Um, a lot of times those don't hold up um, especially like if you leave a receipt in your car and it fades it's no good Um, so having that digital copy is and a lot of times, better.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. We we talked a little bit about um, uh, forming corporations at a certain point after a uh, you know consultation with your CPA about your situation. Um, our um, let's talk a little bit specifics of if you form a corporation, you will file actually two tax returns if you form a corporation one for the corp and one personally you want to talk a little bit about that and the dates that they're due and that kind of thing
1: yeah so the corporations are due march 15th which is a good thing to have in your brain because it's a month earlier than personal returns um, you can still file extensions for business returns so if you do get caught off guard or maybe your bookkeeping's not done in time Um, you can file an extension and then that extension is one month before your personal like if you also file your personal extension um, the extended business return date is September 15th Um, so just keep those in mind it's just basically a month earlier Um, the Having the separate return, so if you are an S corporation, it's considered a flow through entity. And all that means is that it flows through. So instead of the business paying tax on it, the profit that your business generated gets reported on your personal return, and then you pay your taxes based on your personal tax rate. So um, that's different than like a C corporation that's a separate return and that business pays its own income tax the only tax that comes to your tax return in a c-corp situation is if you get paid dividends from that business or if you get a w-2 from that so um but with the s-corp or if you happen to be a part of a partnership i've seen some bands you know be in a partnership before the partnership also runs on the, those same due dates that we just talked about, and then that profit, your share of the partnership's profit, flows through to your personal return where you pay tax on it. Um, the S corps, like like we talked about, they are a tax advantaged option. Um, so you know, run the numbers with your accountant to see if that is a good fit. It is more work. Um, there's an extra tax return, you have to have payroll set up. So you want to make sure that your expenses are below the tax savings. You want some more tax savings left over after you've incurred these additional expenses. So it's, you know, stuff you'll need to weigh out.
0: And is that something if, let's say a client, you know, was interested in coming to your firm, um, is that something that you could help assess um, for our clients saying, you know, I'm thinking of doing this, can I share my numbers? And can you tell me, is, it, is this going to be in my financial interest? Is it going to be more expensive, less expensive? Um, though, is that something you could help people with?
1: Yeah, so we have um, an S-Corp package for basically the setup of it but we start with doing a consulting call so we only bill for the consulting call first so that we can walk through what would this change mean for you and your business and how you get paid then we talk about you know here's what the potential expenses would be and then we discuss like applying the tax savings to their specific situation and comparing that to the expenses and then at the end of the call we kind of reassess like how do you feel about it um here's where you stand you know if tax savings is a lot higher than expenses pretty much most people will want to move forward with it um but we confirm that before moving on to the rest of the package which is you know really digging into what is reasonable compensation for you and the type of job that you're doing um taking care of setting up the payroll because you know you can't just sign up for a payroll software you have to register in your state a lot of times for withholding, um, unemployment, um, those types of things. And they're not, I don't know why they make those applications so weirdly worded, but it's not as straightforward when you get to that part of the payroll setup. Um, so we assist with that as well um, if they want to, if they do decide to move forward.
0: Excellent. You know, can, can you, can you talk about your firm a little bit, Uh, um, you have a a, uh, when I looked on your website, maybe we can put a a picture from your homepage on your website up here. Uh, Can you talk a little bit you have an an unusual configuration uh, of of people that are in your firm. Can you talk a little bit about uh, their locations and who they are and how you find people to work with.
1: Sure, yeah. So we have a team of bookkeepers and accountants. We um, recently had an enrolled agent join us as well. So that is kind of like, um, it's different than the CPA designation, but they have just studied for um, tax related studies. And so that's how they get that designation. Um, So we have a wide variety of experience. We have people in Texas, Arkansas, Idaho, mississippi i'm in indiana um so we are all spread out and work with people all over the u.s Um, and you know being spread out and working with everybody it does take a little bit of research on our end to be able to you know if a state has some new legislation in place um we have to keep our eye on that for our clients. So it does take a little bit of extra work on our end to be able to serve clients all over, but um, it's been really awesome to um, not only us be spread out, but just have clients all over.
0: It's a very, it's a very unique, uh, at least from what what I've seen um, a way to structure the business. And uh, I think it, it benefits clients that you've got, uh people in many different locations that the the office isn't just everybody's in the same place i think that's a that's a positive
1: yeah yeah it's been really great yeah
0: and i i love that we'll put the picture up one more time i i i I love the um the the picture on your website that you know shows um what doesn't look like a a typical accounting mindset in terms of Uh, which is which is good because I I think it uh, I think a lot of people are uh, either fearful or intimidated or um, bored or whatever with um, with uh, their accounting uh, situation and uh, your firm certainly projects something very different than that.
1: Thank you. Yeah, we try to be kind of like. You know, when you're communicating with us, it's like you're communicating with your friend who happens to be really good at accounting. Um, so we want—that's kind of our goal in communication—is—is is that kind of feeling.
0: That's fantastic. Well, I, I i think this is this is really all we need to cover today. I just—I had one last question here, and and it's that if if there's if there's one thing. The, our audience should take away from this podcast what w- what would you say it would be if you had to just say one thing
1: um i would say don't procrastinate your numbers um yeah you know, I've, I've said it probably a couple times already don't put it off the more you put it off the more it builds stress on you and it's just hard to Do your best in other aspects of your life and your business when you have that kind of stress building
0: it's good advice i think all of us know that we're supposed to do that Mm -hmm. and uh everybody is myself included it's like where do i start this process Mm -hmm. and maybe the you know the right thing to do is to reach out to your cpa and ask that question say Mm -hmm. okay i'm going to take your advice but i don't what do i do how do i start Mm it It's way simpler than we think, but we just don't know what it is, so. Right. So, well, okay, well, we're, we're hoping everybody, everybody watching takes that to heart and uh, maybe it can make this uh, upcoming tax season a little bit less stressful if they, if they do take this advice. And Amy, we really appreciate you taking the time today to, uh, to educate our audience and to uh, share uh, your firm and your philosophy with everybody and we will put up on the on the screen uh, all amy's uh, information uh, website and contact info if you'd like to contact amy for consultation or uh, any questions about um, how they um, might restructure uh, what they're doing uh, to be able to maximize uh, your tax situation we'll put that up on the screen now and Please feel free to reach out to Amy if you've, uh, if you've got questions. So thanks again, Amy. Uh, it's been a real pleasure and uh, I look forward to uh, getting my own taxes done here. <laughs> and uh, we, will, uh, we will be in touch and we, we just really appreciate you taking the time. So thanks. Thank you. Okay, Amy, take care. Yep. Well, that's it for today's broadcast with Amy Northard of Accountants for Creatives. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope you'll come back for more. We've got some great guests lined up, and we'll be sure to let you know when the episodes are available. Thanks again for watching.